0: And welcome to another Tucson Means Business, proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club. The hidden, uh, you know, jewel of the desert that's out there on Tankerville Road, right-hand side. And, of course, the infamous uh, grill, the Rincon Grill, serving great meals. Uh, still adhering to all the things you've got to do with mask and spacing, but you can order, take meals away, or go there. And, of course, the golf, and we'll be talking more about that a little bit later on. I'd like to welcome, uh, a sincere welcome actually, to this episode of Tucson Means Business uh, to a special guest who is a local radio personality by the name of Ben Bueller garcia You may have heard his shows, maybe not yet, but you will. Welcome Ben.
1: Mark, thank you so much for having me on Tucson Business Radio.
0: Well, just uh, a couple
1: of immigrants here, huh?
0: Yeah, right, man. One, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, 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 the name like uh, Bielagas here. I figured there had to be a bit of a mix in there. Maybe what, what? German Spanish or German, German, Mexican Spanish, yeah. Okay, okay, there we go. Uh, you're the son of uh, Protestant missionaries raised in Latin America.
1: Yeah. Grew up uh, well, Mexico and Costa Rica. I was going to say whereabouts exactly. Yeah, mostly in Oaxaca. We spent a lot of time up in the jungle. The villages up in the jungle there in Oaxaca, and then two years in San Jose when my folks were at the language school there. Well, you've come a long way since then. It was, uh, you know, particularly given what's going on in the world right now with immigration. I'm, yeah, I'm a little sensitive to that. But uh, right. came to the United States when I was nine years old, and it was, even though my folks were U.S. citizens, Mark. I mean, for my nine-year-old. America was the land of milk and honey and mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I certainly can't fault anyone that wants to come here and, and make a better life for themselves. Were you the only child? No two two other brothers two myself other brothers? and two brothers. Okay. So.
0: And you got to the states when you were nine years old. Correct. Wow well, and I gather it was Tucson?
1: No no our first stop was working with the Lakota Sioux up on the reservation in Sioux Falls. Really? We spent some time in California. Uh, Rockford, Illinois, a uh, couple of places in Arizona.
0: Right. Well, uh, what did you? How come there was? A, oh, through missionaries. Your you, mom and dad were still working. Correct. So this is why the move arounds.
1: Correct. It, yeah, it's, it's you know talk about military radio. It's sort I like to joke that being in the in the mission or the the pastor field, it's uh, kind of same movement schedule, different general.
0: And if I haven't, I'm going to be mentioning a lot, but if I haven't, be remiss of me, but uh, uh, Ben is the host of uh, a show called American Warrior Radio. Correct. And it's heard here locally uh, on the uh, talk station, KVO, one of the talk stations, KVOI, 1030 a.m., and, uh, and it's then what? Syndicated, isn't it?
1: Well, we're also, we broadcast in Phoenix. We're on the air in Colorado Springs, and we've got two stations in Sacramento.
0: Very good, and it's enjoyed. And you interview uh, uh, basically uh, 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 military and ex-military and people with story backgrounds from military, yes?
1: Yeah, it's we'd we like to say it's, we talk about the men and women who protect us at home and abroad, so that's uh, men and women of the v- military, veterans, first responders, and those that support them.
0: Yes, first responders, very much so. Now... I gather it was Tucson that you secured your bachelor's degree in public administration from the University of Arizona, right?
1: Yeah, that's what brought me to Tucson originally, Mark, was I came here to get my degree with the plan to move to San Diego, and... uh, I'll say I was one of those guys who had to work a semester and go to school a semester, so after the six years it took me to get my bachelor's, I fell in love with this town,
0: and I've never left. There you go. There you go. Well, you're not Robinson Crusoe there, mate. There's a lot of people. You had a considerably long period with, uh, what, nine years with the Tucson Metro Chamber of Commerce, uh, which I'm a member of. Uh, What was your role there?
1: I started off in governmental affairs doing lobbying, both at the local and the state level. And then I was promoted and was placed in charge of their economic development and international trade programs. And then my last four years there, they created a new position just in case the the CEO wanted to retire. It was called senior vice president. So my last four years were pretty much running the place doing administration. Well, that that would have been, uh, well, a heck of a commitment, wouldn't it? To run it, a, it a was chain. a lot of fun it really was and that that's really where i cut my teeth in business and it was sort of nice it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose but you're dealing with so many businesses from <laughs> you know small businesses to major corporations and doing international trade and and making uh, you know recruitment calls on companies to get them to come to tucson so it really mm-hmm. was a joy and but you know that's something we'll talk about those were very different times my work
0: yeah very much so so then tell me about ronan the business services if uh, If you'd like to.
1: Well, when I was ready to, you know, they they put me in that position to to replace the CEO. And uh, he, frankly, was not going anywhere. And good for him. He's one of the best nonprofit executives I've ever met. And so I started to chafe a little bit and decided it was time for me to go out and run my own shop. But I looked around, and frankly, all the jobs that I wanted were taken by very good people. There was no place to go. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a business person that was been very successful that I considered a mentor told me, you know, if you can't find a job, make a job. (laughs) So I, you know, $3,000 to buy a computer, and I started my consulting practice. Very
0: good. Were you drawn to, uh, to the nonprofit model?
1: Well, to to some extent, I you know, it's it's mark as an entrepreneur you you trade security for freedom. And uh I always liked the idea of freedom as long as you can hustle and do it. Now, most of that time I was a single man, so I didn't have a lot I could take more risks, I would mm-hmm. say than than somebody with a family. But uh, I still, you know, part of the consulting is I'd help with marketing, public relations. I do do nonprofit management consulting. Uh, as well and then to some extent some advocacy some lobbying still well
0: i mean you started the business from scratch i mean it's always always a buzz to do that but uh was it a difficult challenge for uh, business advocacy and public relations in tucson back then overall do you think
1: oh it was a much easier then than it is now no question easier then oh yeah oh yeah why would you say that Well, there were more people engaged, I would say, in the community. And that's one of my concerns, Mark. And as you know, I I ran for city council twice because this community, it's like having a child, you know, can get A's in school. But the last few years seems to be bringing home C's and D's. And that's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. And just from my perspective, I don't find companies are engaged in the community as much as they used to be. And that's very troubling. I don't think that's healthy for, for any community.
0: Well, having worked at KVOI uh, myself an AM Talk Station here in Tucson a uh, few years, on and off, I still get to listen to some of the shows that I like, and yours just happens to be one of them, Ben. Uh, folks, if you haven't heard the show, it is titled, as we said before, American Warrior Radio. What is your overall aim of doing this show, Ben?
1: The And I want to give credit here to Dave Sitton. Anybody who's been in Tucson any length of time remembers Dave. He was a media icon. He uh, used to broadcast the Wildcat Games, was very involved in, in marketing here in Tucson. Dave's the one that actually started the show. And the reason he did was because he recognized there was a growing gap of understanding between the 1% of those who, who serve our country in the military and all the rest of us. And that's, again, not good for society. So he started the show to communicate those stories and help bridge that gap of understanding. And Dave was just a wonderful man. He he knew that I was involved in supporting the military through my other ventures. And so he asked me to send him guests that evolved into, hey, why don't you sit in on a couple of shows for me, which then evolved into asking me to guest host when he ran for Congress. Mm-hmm. And The way the story goes, Mark, I wasn't there, but Dave came in one day to do a show, and the producer said, Dave, you don't look quite right. And he says, ah, you know, I feel a little off, but I've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Well, tomorrow never came. Uh, Well, I'll be. Yeah, a young man. And I just felt so strongly about the importance of these messages. I approached the station and Dave's family first to get permission, Mm -hmm. and knowing Absolutely nothing about radio jumped in with both feet, and it's been a on-the-job learning process since then.
0: Well, you've you've done exceptionally well because I'm I'm very um, having spent years of learning the craft and going through as a young man, and and most of my you know forty years in radio and television is a long time. And I so felt you I you started
1: when you were five, don't 19. So. <laughs> huh.
0: That's very kind of you. Yeah. <laughs> very nice. The nicest compliment I've had all day. Thank you. But, you know, you had to do it without any pre training, without any provincial training, uh, none of that. You had to jump right in. Just boom, boom. There I am. And you show you do a good job. I mean, you know, um, you care. It comes through. You have passion. Um, you could be listened to, you're understood. Your diction's good. You're clear. You know what I mean, Mate, There's a lot of worse guys than you on there. I'll and tell you. And
1: considering it's my third language, I'll <laughs> take that as a compliment. It, you know, really, what I learned, and particularly I think one of the power um, or one of the things that I bring to the table, Mark, is growing up, particularly up in, in the jungles with the indigenous and, and that year we spent with the Sioux, I really learned the power of storytelling, and how that's so important. And that's what we try and achieve every week with American Warrior Radio. We're there to tell a story. Yeah. And that's why we spend the entire hour with just one guest if at all possible. So we can really can get in you know get deep into their their story. I
0: can relate to that and that's probably why it is good. I mean, that's what you do. You tell stories of those who protect us at home and abroad. Uh, the men and women of our military and, of course, first responder communities. That's what the show's about, folks. The program currently broadcasts on five stations in four
1: markets. And those are? Uh, we're at KVOY in Tucson. Uh, hopefully I get them all right. Uh, KFNX, <laughs> 1100 AM in Phoenix. We're on KPPF in Colorado Springs and KFBK and KSTE in Sacramento.
0: And... Do you think there'll be more a little bit later on? Oh,
1: I, that's, that's definitely my goal this year is, is to uh, to syndicate the show fully nationally, Mark. I'm, I'm kind of getting up there in years, and this has always been sort of a weekend labor of love for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as long as it doesn't lose money, I'm, my wife's okay with me doing it. But she also said, hey, you know, you could do a radio show from anywhere, and that might be some place we have room for some horses and donkeys and, and geese. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to syndicate it. And it's really about just making sure more people hear these messages, and particularly in the environment we face in our nation right now, making sure these people hear good messages about yeah. those who protect us is so important.
0: Well, that's, that's really good, and, and, and I'm, glad, I'm glad you are, and you do a great job. Now, how did you go about getting these stations to take your show on? I mean, did you have to do a lot of convincing <laughs> is that funny? how much time do we
1: have <laughs> no it's i've got as long a, as you want my friend uh, you know <laughs> it makes my head explode but right now i'm operating under three different business models the two of the shows are brokered and you you know that your listeners might not know that but basically i pay the station to to buy the airtime so i buy an hour airtime and broadcast my show and then we sell advertising to to cover that cost yeah the situation with uh one of my other bigger stations is basically they're not charging me anything but i get none of the advertising revenue i'm just happy to be on the air and spreading the messages mm-hmm. and the third model with my newest station is uh, kind of similar they're not charging me a fee and then I get a 15% commission on the advertiser so Excellent. I'd really like to standardize that at some point but right now I'm just glad to be getting the word out to more people
0: yeah that's interesting cuz I can assure you there'd be listeners uh, who do listen to the show are, are going to be surprised with the fact that you know you you even have to pay somebody to be able to be on that particular station uh, and in doing so well I've got to cover that cost somehow so this is where the sponsors come in Correct. Now, in doing what you were doing, how – because, I mean, is it difficult to get sponsors for you locally or do you try nationally? How do you go about this?
1: I started off all locally, obviously, because I was just on the one, the one Tucson station. Back then it was KQTH, the FM station. But now that we're reaching broader markets, I've, I've started selling more national advertisers. In fact, I just got a, a flag company that signed on board that's out of South Carolina. Oh, and cool. uh, obviously, our, our demographic is perfect for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's coming on board. So I'm really trying to work the, uh, the national advertisers now as well. And then, of course, when we go to full syndication, that will be key.
0: My word, it will. And is it affordable? I mean, there could be sponsors uh, interested listening to the show.
1: Absolutely. I'm particularly with the local advertising. I believe that now our rates are competitive with other rates that they would pay uh, probably on some of these stations, Mark. But the key here is it's not, you know, that's something I love about that part of the business is it's not just selling the ads, Mm -hmm. but it's educating those business people about how I can help. And it's really, you know, if I can't help them, I honestly, I don't want their business because they're going to be upset and uh, that's one thing I learned at the, when I work at the chamber. This is the world's largest small town. And you've got to, t- you, you know, you've got to take <laughs> I, care of people. never heard it
0: put that way. No, i heard f- six degrees is down to two degree separation, <laughs> but, but not that. No, that's a oh, greedy. no, it's, uh,
1: it's a word of mouth town. So you've got to take good care of people. So, uh, you know, educating them. And, and I think the key is over 10% of the entire population of, of metropolitan Tucson are veterans, active duty military, or first responders. That's a huge slice of the market. Isn't it? And they talk mm-hmm. amongst themselves. And and veteran households earn on average twelve thousand dollars more annually than non-veteran households. There's a lot of good reasons to target that market specifically. If you're looking for a program that's going to reach a hundred thousand people every weekend, I'm not your buy. Mm-hmm. But if you want to target and really do a you know, it's kind of a shotgun versus a sniper rifle shot at that demographic, sure. yeah. then I believe we provide very good value.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. All right, so uh, and anybody can contact you uh, by how?
1: Uh, email bbg at com, or, of course, they can visit the website AmericanWarriorRadio.com as well. All right, and we'll
0: do that before we uh, sign off today. We'll also go over that again in case you'd like to do that. Now, we touched on, you know, how you first got into the radio business. There was something I wanted to ask you. What was it like living on the reservation?
1: We well technically we lived in Pierre, which is the city, and we just went on to the rev- reservation to to work with them. When we were in Mexico, we spent a lot of time up in the villages living with the folks up there. Right. Uh. So that was a little bit different, but um, you know, Mark, that's something that that in fact even today, as I, I drive through some of the reservations in in our country, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. I, I spent six weeks touring India, and um. The level of poverty you see in countries like that is is pretty rough, mm-hmm. but i I've never seen poverty like I saw on the reservations, Mark, and it wasn't uh, necessarily exclusively a financial issue. It was a poverty of the spirit, is what I would call it. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. keep in mind, this is this is years ago, but uh, folks just they seemed broken, uh, you know, spiritually and 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 mentally broken, and that's that's hard to overcome. And I don't mean that in a bad way, just that they it was. Uh, tough to get out of that rut there but the people we did spend time with I, the lead elder there of the tribe was uh, his native american name was brother of all and boy he sure was and what a great storyteller he was
0: yeah I,
1: I i you know as a
0: visitor to the country although i'm i've been here on and off what 24 years the last stretch has been eight i've always uh, never had the opportunity to go onto a reservation um, because I would like to be invited. You can't just go on, so to speak. I mean, uh, but I feel how you feel in relation to that. I I don't understand uh, why there hasn't been more done uh, on these reservations for the Aboriginal people, if you can call that as the terminology we do at home, it's Aboriginal people. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done an awful lot there, but we used to have a lot of problems at home when it comes to either they drank or they didn't drink and if they didn't drink you could they would be good horsemen and you could hire them for cattle ranches and so on but if they did drink well it was nothing there was no life there was no spirit at all and they do nothing now i don't see that as the same here that's that's not the same way on the reservations here is it
1: well it- uh, you know self-determination is is the key, and that's certainly part of the American spirit and And putting on my economic development hat, it I've had the same reaction as you, and you know t- particularly when you look at some of the the reservations or the, the Native American uh, uh, the co- not communities what's the word I mean they're sovereign nations mm-hmm. uh, here, some of them are from an economic development standpoint are, are perfectly placed. you know we've got a major freeway. You know, along the corridor there, you got all the mines. We have all the trade that comes up from Mexico. They're very well positioned to do a lot of business and recruit a lot of business because right. in effect they set their own rules. You know, wh- when you talk about business and, and communities, so often the frustration, there's, there's zoning laws and there's licensing and there's all these other headaches you have to go through. Right. Well, on the reservations, they could probably make that a lot easier. And to be honest with you, I don't know the answer to that question. Certainly yeah. there's great leaders out there and, and they're making great progress, but- um, Honestly, I don't know quite how to answer your question. It, it 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 does make one curious,
0: yeah. Yet, but then on the other hand, you know, um, as lay people, we see, look at that beautiful casino, look mm-hmm. at the money it's making. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's another one, and then there's another one, and they're all owned by whom?
1: Well, by the tribes. Right. Where does that money go? Well, a lot of it goes back to the to the people, and I I would equip as I understand it. I'm I'm not an expert in that, but it's sort of like in Alaska. You know, everybody in Alaska gets a check once a year from all the oil drilling that takes place up there, whether they work in the oil fields or not. I which didn't is, know that. Really. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a sweet little deal. And is it not, how much? Any idea? Oh, I, I don't know. It's not okay. a big check, but it's something. You know, it might pay pay the mortgage for the month. Okay. And so a lot of that money is returned to the individual members of the nation, and then of course it does help pay for programs. Like the clinics and, and some of the other support and the schools and some of the other support things. So it's not all, you know, they're not all putting that money, you know, into the bank.
0: Well, it's they're nice. reinvesting it. It's, it's nice to good. hear that is happening, though. Yeah, it's very oh, yeah. good. Yeah. I'm speaking with Ben Bula Garcia, host of American Warrior Radio on different stations throughout America. My special guest today on Tucson Means Business. He's business. Well, and truly, he's business, and he does a lot of good business for the first responders and military people, and we're going to find out more about that in just a minute. Well, I hope you're enjoying this uh, episode of Tucson Means Business. And of course, we're very grateful and very proud to have as our sponsor the 49ers Golf and Country Club, a uh, icon tradition here in wonderful Tucson, Arizona. And uh, my particular guest today from the 49ers is the Director of Membership and Tournaments, and his name is Casey Polivchak. Hi, Casey. Hey, Mark, how's it going today? It's going well. Thank you very much. I want to talk about memberships. A lot of talk uh, about golf clubs going down and people not playing again and we're increasing what's happening there
2: you know the club over the last seven years has just really made a nice big increase in uh, in membership it's been steady but if you look at our numbers you know year over year we're definitely on the uh, on the climb is there anything specific that you can uh, point the finger at for that do you think Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, we've got a new owner and he came in and he's just revitalized the club. Um, The club was on the verge of uh, going bankrupt or closing uh, when the new owner stepped in and he's just continued to invest in the in the club, the facilities, the golf course, uh, the restaurant. And he's just uh, just a blessing for the the neighborhood, the community, but definitely the uh, the members of 49er Country Club. Well, it's quite unique. It's a beautiful course with trees
0: everywhere for shade. And of course, a lot of people think in the desert. I mean, this particular show goes all over the place, so you never know who's going to hear it, or which country for that matter. But Should they be visiting Arizona? And uh, I've heard a lot about the 49ers Golf and Country Club. It's easy to find. It's on uh, Tanka Road heading east out of town. Anybody can point that way. The GPS can get it. Not a problem. It's about 12,000. And you can see it because of the entry gates. very nice entry gates there and you'll see the club on your left which is the rink on mountain grill as you go into the actual golf club and then you'll find the pro shop and so on so it's easy to find from that point of view what would you say to visitors we do have a lot of visitors don't we from the midwest from the north uh, the colder climates and so on as we call friendly our snowbirds. Mm-hmm. Yep. what would you um say to them about if they haven't been to the 49ers yet
2: Okay, so 49er, I would liken it to a Midwestern-style golf course because Mm. of the tree-lined fairways. Um, When we get our snowbirds in, if they're coming out for a, you know, a golf trip, a lot of times I recommend they come play 49er if it's a warm-up round. If they haven't played for, you know, a couple months because of the snow on the ground— you know, the the thing about it is it's tucked into the corner of the mountains out there. That's what Rincon means All right. um, in the corner. Uh, but the golf course is uh, it is. It's more traditional tree line fairways, um, elevated tees, elevated greens. Um, it's a it's a great golf course to play. It's, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to, uh, you know, have a bunch of huge forced carryovers, desert and cactus and mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, It's not what one thinks. No, it's not for the but desert. Yeah. You got to keep it straight. <laughs> It'll challenge you that way. You got to keep it straight. And of
0: course, if you, you know, if if it talks your cork at the moment, simply go to the 49ers website which is
2: 49ercc.com. That's spelled out fortyninerc cc.com. There you go. Okay, so do that. There's some lovely photographs,
0: great stories to look at, and it'll give you everything about the club. You can't, uh, you can't fail, all right? We're going to be back with Casey another time. You're listening to Tucson Means Business. Okay, so, Ben, I want to ask you this. What are some of the joys and tribulations of doing your own radio show?
1: <laughs> well, I you know, it, it. John Justice, some of your listeners may recognize him. He was the, the daytime host over at KQTH when I first started doing American Warrior Radio. And as I mentioned, I was learning on the job, and he was a great mentor and gave me a lot of tips. And I remember one time I came in, you know, you just, oh, man, it's the weekend. Because I'm working six days a week at least uh, doing the radio show. And it just some days like, man, I just don't feel up to do this. And he, one time he stopped me, Mark, he says, guess what? we get to do radio how cool is that and it just struck me as like you know a lot of folks don't get this opportunity so it truly is a privilege to be able to go into people's homes and and their ears and share these stories so that's that's the upside the the sometimes the frustration is, I mean, certainly you selling the advertising is, is always a challenge. Mm-hmm. And you're, I'm glad you brought that up because people don't understand that the station doesn't pay me to do the show. Mm-hmm, uh, that's right. It's really the, the income to offset the cost comes from the supporters. So one of my frustrations and things I've seen that have changed over the years, you know, Mark, when I was at the chamber, we we had a computer, but it was I mean, there were like eight-inch floppy disks. It was a Tandy. I don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> you'd press you'd press print, and it'd take three hours. You know, we did everything by typewriter. There were no cell phones, uh, no Internet. But people responded. And one of my frustrations is when I'm doing sales is, you know, I'd love to have you be a yes, but it's okay to be a no. And those people who don't respond one way or the other, um, th- there's – I don't know if you'd say and you've maybe seen it in your career there's sort of a a, a loss of basic business business courtesy, and, courtesy ethic, yeah, and sure. You know, call me back or how hard is it to, you know, open the email, type no, press reply. Well it's called you're a done. commitment.
0: Yeah, it's called a commitment. People yeah. don't like to commit. You know, well, it's too hard. It's, it's you know, but that's a little bit manana. All the wonderful sides of Tucson. I got to tell you, I love Tucson to death. But in doing business in it, which I do too every day, it can be extremely frustrating. Yeah. I, uh, I get exactly what you get as well. And, and it, to me, it's just, you know, no courtesy. What's so I don't uh, mind you saying no but no. have the courtesy to let me know right, so I right, can move
1: on to your competition. I'd re- no rather, <laughs> you know, I'd no sooner waste someone's time than their money. That's and exactly it. If, right. And if you don't want me calling you four times a week uh then just say no and that's okay or, or say get back to me or our budget spenders, but reply somehow. Hmm. And uh you know I'll, I'll never forget when we first came to the United States, uh, you know, our first language were were Spanish and German. So there was a certain language uh gap that my brothers and I had to overcome and I'll never forget, I came home one day, and, and they wanted to put me and my my middle brother in a, I don't know what the politically correct term for it is, but they, they we weren't keeping up to speed. So they wanted to put us in special education classes. Okay. And that was insulting to me. Yeah. Because it was a language barrier. It wasn't that we weren't uh No, it's you not know, enough. No. And my parents' response, they didn't sue the school. They didn't call the teacher. They didn't, you know, cause right. a ruckus. They basically just told us, well, you'll just have to work harder then, won't you? Yeah. So Yeah, that's pretty sad. When it comes to you know, sales, uh, that's frustrating, but it means I just, I've just i got to make 10 more calls or 100 more calls and, and get the job done because I am doing it to continue to get these messages out there. Well,
0: they, you know, and it's also – it doesn't all go in your pocket. I mean, why are veterans and members of the military, do you think, so important to our communities?
1: Well, we talked a little bit about this off the air, and and you really touched on it. Touched on it. The the skill sets that they bring back to our communities when they leave the military are are a hundredfold. And there's so many things that they bring to the table. I'd love to see more of them go into politics. You're seeing some now that are mm. are kind of making waves up in washington and our or in our local communities. One of my favorite guests is now the the mayor of his local town. He decided to run for office and won that office, and he's doing a great job mm-hmm. so there there's that the For certain companies, and I tell you when you're looking to hire veterans right off the bat they're already trained uh they mm-hmm. know the value of discipline and the chain of command. They can pass a drug test. They're going to be there on time. They're going to put in, you know, they're going to work for you. So they're, from, from a personnel standpoint, they're outstanding as well. And then we do a regular feature called the veteran entrepreneur feature, or vetropreneurs as, as I call them. Mm-hmm. And there's some, a bottle breacher. It's a local company. Yes, I had him on a couple of years ago. He does beautiful stuff, doesn't he? Wonderful stuff. Started in his garage, and now Mm -hmm. he's just, I mean, he's employing people out there. He's doing great work. Right on Optics, another company here founded by a veteran and a a former Capitol Police officer Mm -hmm. that's doing exceptionally well. If you take the time to look around, uh, there's a lot of veterans who've started their own companies or employing people, and and Mm -hmm. so it's just a great asset. And of course, the first responder—that—that that should go without saying.
0: Well, very they, much so. And I tell you now, try Nike and FedEx. Mm-hmm. There's two alone mm-hmm. that uh, that did it. I, I in preparing for this show, I rang a, a dear friend on the weekend, who's uh, very high up in um, one of the—they're uh, not headhunters. It's in in one of the employment
1: people. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like an Indeed or like um,
1: executive recruitment that sort uh,
0: of thing. That's what. Yeah, that as well, but. Um, uh, zip Recruiter, as an example. Okay. All right? And, and, and I said to him, look, I want to understand something. You're in this business every day. You're talking to businesses all across America, top fortune 500, 200, whatever. When you're dealing along the species of trying to employ a vet, you know, uh, not a veterinarian, a, a, a veteran from military, what are the biggest concerns or downside that you get? And I expected him uh, to say more than anything that, uh, you know, they weren't qualified enough or it might have been a drug-related issue or, you know, how much of it was really they might shoot themselves later. You know, sad as that may sound, the depression factor of coming Mm -hmm. out of the military, Mm -hmm. Uh, this and that. You know, um, it wasn't what I thought. It was more along the lines of, um, uh, I, I don't know if I've got the right job that would fit. Yeah. So what they're actually doing, I was rather pleased to hear this. You know, what needs to be more of is the right fit of uh, the transient, of of the vet that's leaving the military with wonderful skills. I mean, it's ironic. I'm, I'm You know, hey, I'm a vet. I can fly a $60 million jet. <laughs> yeah. But But you won't hire me. Right. Because I don't have what you want. Well, really, you should have been speaking to somebody who does want what you've got.
1: And that's something where I really believe veterans can can step up and help other veterans because they get it. I totally agree with you. And, Mark, you touched on something that is one of my uh, favorite frustrations in doing the radio show, this inaccurate um, picture of – the, the broken veteran yes the idea yes. that just because someone saw combat they're somehow damaged goods and as you said they're just going to snap one day and and that is so inaccurate and I, I've had so many vets on the show I Roger Staubach or you're probably too young to remember but uh you know uh, Heisman winner couple Super Bowl rings a uh, very successful in the real estate business after that he, I know the name yeah, right. yeah um uh, you know he vo- he volunteered to go to Vietnam he already had an NFL contract but he volunteered to go to you, I um, remember reading that story. Yes, I may uh, not
0: have grown up here in all the years, but over the years, different things have come across and I think I do remember yeah, that one. And, As I also remember the, the quarterback that was paid $30 million never to play or something. You remember
1: that one? That's <laughs> the job I keep looking for. There you go. Yeah. You know, Give me $30 million, I'll, you know,
0: Unbelievable. Um, um, you but, know, in Australian rules football, Ben, just, just intervening there, our top guy's lucky to get a million. This isn't soccer or rugby. This is Australian rules football. No padding, no nothing and they're lucky to get a million. I mean, you know, you got guys uh, just, just for not turning up, you still get $30 million.
1: Well, But did you get a sneaker contract? <laughs> well, you know.
0: So, my friends, you never served in the military, yourself, or wore a badge. Why are you so ardent in your support?
1: For, for precisely that reason. I, I, I consider it my duty to support those men and women who've done that because I never had to. I I never had to worry about it. And now, when uh, we talk about uh, first responders,
0: share with my listeners, please, whom are we talking about?
1: Uh, law enforcement, local, regional, federal, um, you know, uh, firemen, uh, paramedics, nurses those those the, those types of groups those are the folks that protect us and and we've had a a lot of um, you know there again because of the nature of the show and the markets we're in we tend to touch more on on federal law enforcement we've had a couple secret service agents on there mm. we've had uh, it is have,
0: diverse i'll say that about your show you mm, know
1: yeah postal inspectors which people don't know much about you know cia border patrol mm-hmm. atf one of my favorite uh, you know ask me what my favorite guest says it's kind of asking you know, who's your favorite child it's hard <laughs> to answer but we had the two the the netflix series narcos if anyone saw that oh yeah i've
0: watched it uh, well there's about three versions you know
1: yeah well the original version the original version with <laughs> With Columbia, they we had the, I had the two original narcos, uh, Javier Peña and, and Steve Murphy, that ah. that, were, that the show was based on. Peña, and what, yeah. what a great interview those guys, uh, yeah. and just the stories they tell. And well, your background, look, growing
0: up, and where you traveled, did you see much along uh, those lines?
1: No, 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 not, not that was again. Those are different times, different times. So Fair you know, with, I mean, with a well,
0: it's pretty bad today, though, isn't it? Still, oh, it's the it's, war on a giggle, isn't it? Really. I, you know, it's... You, you, know, you know what, something... Let's discuss, like, go off left field here a little bit, shall we? Because I feel like I can talk with you about this. I see these, uh, you know, this business in Afghanistan for so many years, our boy's going down. Yes, I understand that, you know, they're going to get back in, they're going to treat women the way they've always treated women and lots of other bad things as well. And yet, here we are at our own border, America, in the being abused with the immigration scenario, yet you feel terribly sorry for the immigration scenario, and you would like to help you'd like to do something about it, but there are druggies coming through as well oh no there there are seeds being planted so badly in America through the you know the the border problem. You, you you agree with me on that, Let
1: right? me tell you a quick story along the lines. Please there. do. One yes. of the joys of doing this radio show is I get to experience a lot of things that your average civilian might not be able to. And so we did, I was, got the opportunity to, to go out and spend a day with the Customs and Border Protection uh, Ground Forces, as well as go up with their Air and Marine Helicopter Unit and spend a day with them. And boy, that gives you a whole different perspective. When I was with the ground unit, we were 20 minutes out of nogales we're coming up over a hill mark and i see down there uh, five people sitting in a circle and it almost looked like it was a family having a picnic yeah. but it was nine o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. the minute they saw the vehicle they stood up and and waved us down and basically surrendered these are five chinese nationals three men and two women all scratched up they had maybe uh, you know, a third of a liter of water mm-hmm. on between mm-hmm. them. And they basically just come there 100 yards inside the border and were giving themselves up. And it was the Border Patrol agent. He couldn't take them into custody because he had me with him. But mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. went into his lunch pail and took out his water and his Gatorade and gave it to him and called for another unit to come pick them up. So it was a very compelling humanitarian moment. But at the same time, I'm thinking, wait a minute. If five Chinese nationals can just saunter across the border, just like that, what about bad guys, and you 're talking about human smuggling and drugs and oh, of course. and the la- the radio sector, I think last week they arrested five m s thirteen gang members in seven days and and I just had a guest on the show and we were talking about human trafficking and all these what forty six thousand unaccompanied minors that are now being held mm-hmm. in our facilities mm-hmm. those are that 's a real tragedy. What's going to happen to those children? And it's not beyond the scope of potential that some of these bad guys might be onto that. And they come in and say, hey, I'm, you know, so-and-so's uncle or third cousin. Well, this is what the issue is. They ring a number
0: when you get here, supposedly it's your uncle, this and that. There's a lot of stuff goes on that, you know, the average person doesn't realize or understand what's going really on and, uh, you know, the heart comes out of the this and the that, and then later on, uh, well, we're sick to death of the druggies and we're sick to death of the cartels. I would love to send the army and the, and, and the marines and God knows who else we've got into those countries, clean up those cartels <laughs> if you could, so that these poor devils can stay in the homes where they truly want to be. Yeah. The families can. They wouldn't yeah. have to split them and put them apart and all the other misery that goes with it. You can't help feel but feel sorry, but you're also not the police of the world, from a point of view, or, or the, I don't know. It just must. It's such a frustrating deal. I uh, wonder why politicians walk away from it. Too hard to handle.
1: Well, it. You're, you're spot on. That the answer to this problem is in their home countries. And it's not it's not something that there was last season, there was two hurricanes that completely destroyed a lot of these towns and villages. Well, there's no more work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, work was hard enough to come by in some of these countries before COVID. Mm -hmm. Now it's probably 100 times worse. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I don't know if people saw that video of those two infants being dropped over the border wall. And it, it, it does break your heart. And imagine being a parent who gets to a point where they believe that the only future for their child is to take them up here, dump them across the border, and and hope they do well. I mean, that should break everyone's heart. Yeah, I know But the solution is on the other side of the border. It really is.
0: Do you think in our lifetime, Ben, that uh, we'll see something done about that? Well, Uh, I'm I'm referring to America intervening, putting our strength over the border, into these countries, and literally going to war with the cartels, cleaning them up.
1: They're... This maybe comes back to another point we touched on. That's where I'd like to see more veterans run for office because we really need courageous leadership people to make those hard decisions, and there's hard decisions that have to be made. Mm -hmm. And, yes, it breaks your heart that, you know, these families may not be able to get across the border, but those are tough decisions that these folks make, you know, in some cases every day in their career. And, frankly, you know, for the good of of the overall country and maybe for those people as well, um, so, but, yes, I'd like to see more investments. And let, let's talk about Mexico, Mark, You know, having grown up there. Um, they've got oil resources. They're some of the hardest working people you'll find anywhere in the that world. That is true. Tourism down there should be like like making money. There's absolutely no reason that country shouldn't be a first world economy. Well, but for lack I'll, of I'll tell leadership. you
0: something. I used to love going down to Puerto Penasco,
1: mm-hmm.
0: good old Rocky Point. I mean, I'm from Australia, surrounded by beautiful oceans. I miss the water. I miss the oceans. Mm-hmm. I love Tucson, but I'm in a desert. Oh, well, but we you, got plenty of beach. But you go to San Diego, you go, oh, yeah, you can't <laughs> even go in. It's that darn cold. But here's the reality. Um, you should be able to go down to Puerto Banasco without a worry in the world. Mm. But I can tell you now, my wife, who's a Tucsonan, born and bred, and all the road trips they used to do down there and so on, she will not go down there anymore. At the way things are right now, she will not go down there. And I'm trying to tell her, come on. We've got friends that go down all the time, this and that. Then you pick up the paper and that thing happened in the the family. Right. I yeah. mean, I don't know yeah. what to believe anymore. I don't yeah. know whether to trust it, risk it, not risk it, what to do. Yeah. But I'd love to go down there more, spend my dollars, help out the locals.
1: And, and that, that makes it even harder for the folks on that side of the border. Last time I was in Nogales um it broke my heart i mean probably 50 60 percent of those stores are closed on, well on, nogales on used side. to be
0: great for shopping didn't oh it?
1: yeah absolutely um yeah. and now you know thank goodness for the uh medical tourism that's probably what's keeping them alive down there yeah right but uh you know the, the so yeah and, and you know easy for us to say we're, we're i sitting know here i know but again it's the, it's the old
0: cartels but just a touch on it not that you know it's anywhere near as bad as some of the cities in in mexico but uh Nevertheless, there's still, there was gunfire, and there was mm-hmm. people killed, and there's been people abducted, and that shouldn't be.
1: No, and, and and that's something that you'll see. In fact, again, my last guest who, 20 years with ICE and Customs and Border Protection, he said something that was very chilling to me, Mark. He says, you know, there are, I want your listeners to know that there is evil in the world, and there's evil men that see human beings as a, a commodity, and they'll buy and trade and sell them. It's easier to... Um, you make more money off a human being than you do off of drugs because it's almost like the gift that keeps on giving. And yeah, right. that is frightening and sad. And, yeah, we all need to be aware of that so that we can put pressure on the folks who can do something about it. Um, I don't like getting into politics, but, you know, it's just
0: I'm impartial, number one. so So we're talking about the border wall. You've seen a bit more and understand that, It was only part of a plan, wasn't it, really? Correct. Right? And it's a shame it never got finished. But, you know, they're burrowing underneath already, putting ladders over the top already, but it's not the end all and the all, was it?
1: No. And really, the the strategy of the border, you can't, and boy, that's something I learned when I was flying up there in that helicopter, particularly when we got over the reservation. There is some rough, rough country out there. And, I mean, we're talking maybe a... A three-strand barbed wire fence is what what comprises the border wall out there. As it stands, right. But you can't, just geographically and and financially, you can't build a wall across, we're talking 1,900 miles of border. That's the equivalent of driving from Washington, D.C. to Salt Lake City. It's a huge stretch of line. But the, the strategy is to put the wall up in places where you can funnel the traffic into areas where you can use manpower and technology and drones and infrared sensors and all right. those things to control it. So mm. um, it is sort of a stop, not a stopgap, but it's, it's a funnel strategy, and, and that can work. But they're just so – they're overwhelmed, Mark. They are completely overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, and that does concern me. Um, what, what do you say? Do you think they need, what, another few thousand?
1: Certainly when they're doing a campaign right now to hire more personnel, but it comes back to what we've touched on in our conversation before. It's the perception, uh, your wife's perception. Are things really as dangerous in Mexico as she thinks they are? Most likely not. But the perception is that it is. So therefore Mm -hmm. she doesn't travel. The perception down in in Mexico and Colombia and and Venezuela and some of the, the Latin American countries is that if you can just get across the border, Then your chances of of getting citizenship are pretty good. There are 300,000 asylum cases right now sitting in the courts that haven't been addressed yet i know no. um no, no. so it is manpower we probably need to hire more judges to to adjudicate those cases and get some resolution one way or the other but we also you know we need to help them fix the problems because you're so right they don't want to divide their families they don't want to leave their homes of course than we not
0: do. if they had the, if they could wave the magic wand and why should they but uh, but i'm also concerned ben and no one wants to touch it talk about it or mate You talked about Chinese Mm -hmm. potentially coming in. Now it's known even apparently between, uh, you know, some pretty bad uh, terrorists, if you like. Right. That one of the easiest ways now to get into America is just come through Mexico.
1: Just wander across. Sure.
0: You know what I mean? And all the stuff we've been through and the boys that have put up their lives over there on their soil.
1: And keep in mind, you're, and that's something that does chill me every day, too, particularly when I talk to these experts. But keep in mind some of these bad guys. And, and they, girls,
0: too. I'm sorry. And, I, I, sure. You know, sometimes I get in trouble for not mentioning um, that. I'm not sexist.
1: They, they, they may not have got a criminal record and have done something in their home country to mm-hmm. have shown up on our Reddit radar. Right. So even if they get stopped by, by immigrations mm-hmm. and customer enforcement, they, they're not red flagged. So they just go into the asylum system like everybody else when really they're, they're sort of sleeper agents. That's what they're here Well, for.
0: that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And all those that, come on now, let's make them all legal and everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. You know, okay, you're not going to tell me there isn't a percentage in there that are sleepers, that all this time are just waiting. And that's the part that, you know, what are you going to say? What, what are you going to do then, Mark? You want to send everybody back? You want to send a million back? What would you do, Ben? Do you? If you could make the decision.
1: No, I'd want to sort them out better. Yeah. Well, I I think just. That's what I want to do. So a couple of things, just from my perspective. Nations have borders. That's a geographic fact. And any nation in the country, not just ours, if they don't maintain their borders, they, they can lose their sovereignty. So that's number one. I understand we have to have limits because we are the land of plenty, but we can't feed and employ the entire world. So to me, markets should be pretty basic. Set up satellite offices down in these countries. You show up. I want a blood test to make sure you don't have hepatitis or something else. We don't want to come in. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a criminal background check to make sure you're not a bad guy or whatever else we need to do. Get a sense of your skill set to know that you can be employable in the United States. Mm. And then lastly, uh, you know, let us know if you have a, a relative here in the States that can support you. And then let's get the process going. I don't – the system is broken.
0: Would these countries that we're referring to now, would they work with the U.S.? Because that's a great idea. Yeah. I-
1: you know, th- that's a very interesting question because there there's a certain sense of national pride, and I'm sure it's, it's kind of galling to the leadership in some some of those countries, not mm-hmm, all of them. Mm-hmm. Some probably don't care, that they're losing their citizens um, or, or, or leaving their country to seek a better opportunity. Well, they but, can't even handle the cartels. Well, And that's that's maybe that, that's the, the answer to the question. I mean, questions. you know, it
0: must be horrible. You're not sure whether you're going to get home to your family at night if you're in a role, in a a political role or if you're in a a leader's role, you know, in the community, uh, because the cartel will get you. If you don't, just say yes and buckle down and do as you're told. That's that's what I'm saying, that, man, I don't see any other way but force. It's almost like going to war, you know, in a foreign country (laughs) for the right reasons of all the wars we've fought before. And this is, this is human deprivation. This is treating people or killing them if they won't join or killing their kids or educating their kids, you know, how to hold a uh, Russian rifle and, and kill like they do in, in, uh, in the Middle East.
1: I, I just want to go on the record, Mark, that neither Ben Bueller Garcia nor American Warrior Radio endorses an invasion of Mexico.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> but,
1: yeah. yeah they,
0: no, that, you know that, what I mean? But I love that idea of yours. Little satellite places all right through I, to do it cleanly, openly, nicely. Come and, on in. Let's see. You know the latest stats of those that just came over the border with, uh, with COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. 550,000 encounters at the southwestern border this fiscal year. And and it really it, – it's, it's common sense. It, there's if If we're trying to fix our entire immigration policy – uh out of whole cloth at one go that's a mm-hmm. fool's errand let's find the parts that are broken like the the uh mm-hmm. the courts figure out how we we fix that okay bang we've got that done let's move on to the next one and and do it a, a bite at a time where it's more manageable and that's a lesson you learn in business too
0: my word it is absolutely fantastic ben uh beulah Garcia and uh, the show is called americanwarriorradio.com that's the actual website to be able to get hold of bench if you want to write to him uh the show is here uh locally in Tucson on KVOI uh 10:30 a.m. on the dial And what time again? Saturdays from noon to one. Yeah, that's right. Noon to one. Uh, Saturdays live if you'd like to listen to it. And, of course, they've got podcasts after that. You can. Um, But in other stations, again, let's just reiterate on those around the country.
1: So I'm in Phoenix, uh, Colorado Springs, and two stations in Sacramento.
0: There you go. So if you're visiting and you're from any of those places, you can hear him there as well.
1: But you don't have to tune in. We've got over 250 podcasts. That, can, and that You talk about how business has changed, Mark. Oh, yeah. Back in the old days, you had yeah. to get in the car or in your office and turn on the AM radio. Nowadays,
0: that's the 60,
1: almost yeah. 70% of my downloads right now are going to people's mobile devices, and that's something that them, yeah. I'm trying to adjust to.
0: But yeah, it is. It's weird to think of <laughs> yeah. it, but yeah. same as mine and same as uh, through, the, uh, through our network. It's the same thing. Uh, Facebook.com slash American Warrior Radio. Also for those and there's Twitter of course and LinkedIn you can check up on Ben Ben Buyla Garcia B U E H L E R okay Ben Buyla Garcia it's been a privilege and a pleasure mate
1: Mark thanks for the opportunity and keep doing what you're doing
0: it's uh, while I try to help local business that's part of our uh, our model here and uh you know they have their shows and and I help them produce the shows and and teach them as much as I can. And then they love hosting their shows and doing them. And now, of course, we're going out to more and more platforms. Uh, and then I'm going to video as well, which is what people
1: want. So. I'm glad I thing. came in before you did video. <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> you know, I've that, got that. a face for radio. Trust me, folks. <laughs>
0: thanks to our sponsor 49ers golf and country club very loyal been with me three years now and uh listen the club is uh open for fun and pleasure the golf is uh the golf is happening and the course is uh, you know it's not summer yet it's uh, in good nick go and play some golf and of course the rink on mountain grill um and then the gym is open for people there are rules with that but Things are coming back a little bit, you know, slower than normal, but uh, we're there for business and they're very friendly and they'll look after you. Go and find out things. Okay, and go to their website too if you want to, the 49ers Golf and Country Club. Thank you again, fellas, and it's been a pleasure uh, for this Tucson Means Business episode, and I'll be back with another one pretty soon.